0: Welcome to the Pacific Forest Foundation's Talking Timber, where each week you meet the professionals behind the Northwest timber industry. Hi, and welcome. I'm Diane Mettler, Executive Director of the Pacific Logging Congress. And in this episode of Talking Timber, we will be speaking to Jim Peterson, founder of the Evergreen Foundation and author of the new book, First Put Out the Fire. In the meantime, I want to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Logging Congress and the Pacific Forest Foundation, who are doing amazing educational things like this podcast. Both organizations are dedicated to sound technical forest education. You can visit them on www.pacificloggingcongress.org and www.pacificforestfoundation.org. Also, we want to welcome our new sponsor, Timberwest Magazine. They report on logging in the greater Northwest, They also report on harvesting techniques, events, products, and more. You can subscribe online at www.ForestNet.com. Okay, let's talk to Jim and find out how he got into the industry.
1: My background is in journalism and broadcasting. I've been writing professionally for over 50 years. I started the Evergreen Foundation in 1986. Uh, at the invitation of the members of the Southern Oregon Timber Industries Association, the goal then was to somehow help lumbermen in Southern Oregon and Northern California navigate what was the Forest Service's first decade of forest planning process. And we really didn't even have a long-term plan. We figured that, you know, we'd do what we could, and when the planning process ended, why we'd all find something else to do. Well, the planning process is. Never ended, and yeah. I'm still here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, the Evergreen uh, Magazine. How did that get started?
1: Well, it was it was my idea. Um, I felt that lumberman and that part of the world needed some uh, image, if you will, some means of communicating with uh, people who lived in communities in Southern Oregon, Northern California. Some way to acquaint people with the forest planning process and what it might mean in their communities. I had seen a publication that was then being produced by the American Paper Institute that was an idea put forth by a guy named George Cheek who lived in San Francisco. And George put together Green America, which was a beautiful publication. And it folded out into a, oh, I think a three by five Poster, wow. which, was designed, which was designed for use in classrooms. We tried the poster idea and it just really didn't work well with what we were wanting to do. And so we just opted for a magazine uh, called Evergreen.
0: And it went digital when? I, I understand it went digital, but.
1: That's a funny question because when we started Evergreen, the internet didn't really exist, yeah. uh, computers were in their infancy. Uh, cell phones were the size of size of briefcases, and we came forward from there. Everybody had a fax machine and a landline, and that was about it. We built our first website, oh, I think in the late 90s. We've got a nice website. Uh, it's the core of our business now, Diane. We do still publish a print version of Evergreen periodically when budget allows, mm-hmm. but mainly we're in the website business um, content is king, and we try to post new things every a couple of days on our website. We think we have oh probably about eighty thousand people who follow us. Wow, anyway, we're still out there doing what we were doing thirty four years ago, <laughs> yeah, so a so little bit differently.
0: Uh, what are kind of some of the things that you post on Evergreen? If say someone doesn't isn't familiar with it and wants to check you out,
1: well, we're up to our eyeballs, of course, in the wildfire crisis in the Western United States, and we have been for a long time. Uh, one of the very early editions of Evergreen uh, was called "Gray Ghosts of the Blue Mountains," and I want to say we published it in 1989. But I went to Eastern Oregon to take a look at the beetle problem, and I was astonished.
0: yeah,
1: that was really kind of the beginning of we've probably published at least a dozen a dozen editions of evergreen over the years that um, are focused on forest health and wildfire. It's been a key topic for us. Uh, you know, forest planning kind of faded faded from the scene what twenty some years ago. But yeah. the wildfire problem we have in the West, the forest health problem, if you will, is much worse than it was when we started Evergreen.
0: So this is a great segue. So you just finished a book about fire. So you want to tell me a little bit about that?
1: I I did, Diane. I You know, the wildfire situation is a frustration for me because... It tells me a lot about the fact that the Forest Service isn't really very interested in the underlying causes of our wildfire crisis. I, maybe a year and a half ago now, I began thinking about all the information that I'd gathered over the years. I have a library in my office here; probably have a thousand books, and I and I keep notes from interviews and all that sort of thing. And so I began to look at all of that, and it suddenly occurred to me that, you know, I really could write a book about this. And I did, and it's called first put out the fire. I do believe that that's job one, and after that we can you know we can have a long conversation and probably agree and disagree on a lot of things about what we ought to be doing about wildfire. But if you don't first put out the fire, you don't have anything to talk about. Yeah. So I wrote this book that traces the the history of our wildfire pandemic, its underlying causes. And there are many and the book is out now we started selling books i guess about three weeks ago it's it's gone fairly well it, you know we live we certainly live in interesting times we were scheduled to present the book and talk about it and sell books at five conferences this spring well all five of those conferences were canceled and mm-hmm. so we are left to, to try to sell books on the internet using the good graces of friends who have big websites and and you know their own
0: networks and it's actually working fairly well of course we have nothing to compare it to so where would i find your book where on the evergreen site or yeah you can order it on our
1: website um which is evergreenmagazine.com there's an icon there a big visual it's actually the cover of the book and and you know, we have a paypal account and and uh, those who are interested can order the book that way. It's $29.95. That includes shipping and handling. Okay. The follow-up to this is fascinating because
0: mm-hmm.
1: I've yet to find anybody who doesn't like the book. But I'm getting lots of ideas that could actually maybe lead to a second book or some sort of a sequel. I'm not sure yet what okay. it would be or how it would be. But there's great interest in the topic
0: Yeah. So and what to do. So when you were researching and, and writing this book, was there anything that kind of stuck out as you as sort of something new to you or sort of really interesting? Maybe people don't know about? No, I, I, think the th- I think the thing that stuck out at me is the lack of interest on the part of the
1: Forest Service in doing anything about it. You, you know, they, they make a big show of this now using 747s and DC-10s and all sorts of big aircraft craft that um, look great on the five o'clock news, but these are airplanes that can only be flown out of major airports. And major airports are often hours distant from fires. The whole notion of initial attack seems to have given way to the idea that, gee whiz, let's just let these fires do what we don't have the courage to do or what Congress won't allow us to do and I, it's the wrong approach. Diane, this isn't even a timber issue anymore. The reality is that it's a lifestyle issue. Those of us who live in the 11 western states love these forests and depend on them for a lot of things, including clean air, clean water, abundant fish and wildlife habitat, a wealth of year around outdoor recreation opportunity, and on and on and on. And this is what's burning up. I, I think it's morally and ethically wrong. It's certainly scientifically wrong because we ha- we have the tools necessary to deal with this problem at something way closer to pace and scale than where we are today.
0: Oh so what uh, so what was that that we have today that we can deal with it?
1: What what do we have? Yeah. Mhm. Well, we have a lot of tools, mechanical tools. Okay. Um You know, if if we look at what states do, we look at what private landowners do, we look at what Indian tribes do, they all have very active thinning programs. They control stand density. That's step one. Step two is you use prescribed fire to deal with woody biomass. Those tools are time-tested and proven, and the Forest Service is not using them. Okay. Okay. They, they seem to have decided that the only way to deal with this is to allow some of these large fires to burn themselves out. As I said, I think this is morally and ethically wrong.
0: I talk yeah. about it in the book. Mm-hmm. We talk about it on our website. So have you had any response from the Forest Service from this book? Oh, no, and I don't expect one.
1: You know, there, of course, the coronavirus, is. You know, everybody, including the Chief of the Forest Service is working from home. I get that. I understand that it's not business as usual. But also I understand that we've been knocking on this door now for what 36, 34 years? Now 34 years. It's hard to get their attention. The Forest Service is like it's the Forest Service is like a big aircraft carrier and it takes a lot of water to turn it around.
0: Hi. We're going to take a quick break to thank our sponsors, the Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress. These two organizations are dedicated to providing public and industry education about forest and forestry issues. You can visit them at pacificloggingcongress.org and pacificforestfoundation.org. Also, thank you to Timberwest Magazine, our new sponsor. They are a bi monthly publication about logging in the Northwest. They also provide a bi-weekly newsletter with breaking regional news. To subscribe to either, just visit www.forestnet.com. Okay, back to Jim. Hey, I was thinking for the book, when people have read the book, um what do you want them to come away with? What do you want them to feel? I want with?
1: them to come away with with a higher understanding of of how we got ourselves into this mess and what we can do to get out of it. And I make a real pitch for youngsters in this book. And I think I do, I don't know if you've seen the book, Diane, but I, I think I've done a fairly decent job with it because our youngest is a college kid. And so I have a fairly good idea how young people feel. I, I don't care if, these, if, if kids are, are climate believers or climate deniers. It doesn't matter to me. We still have a huge problem in our national forests, in the 11 Western states. And that's where I want people to focus. A great many of the problems that, that are, we have that are associated with water quality and certainly air quality are problems that can only be dealt with if we deal first with our wildfire crisis.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Talk about carbon in the atmosphere, holy smokes.
0: Yeah.
1: And you know, the Forest Service has done a lot of research on the chemical content of smoke.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's not good. Yeah. And, you know, it, and and we spent, we being me and several others, spent a long time trying to get the lung association to pay attention. Mm-hmm. And in the early going, and the early going here is going to be 15, 20 years ago, we couldn't even get their attention. Oh, that's too controversial. We can't do that. Now where are they? (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: Every fire season, they they've become huge in the whole business of smoke. Yeah. And well, they should. We have a terrible air quality problem throughout the West. I talk a lot about it in the book. I think I mentioned to you that I was on a conference call for three hours yesterday, and it's the the subject matter of the call was what is the coronavirus going to do to us in wildfire season? Yeah. And it's not good because the Forest Service is going to be forced to fight wildfires in a very different manner in which they would like to. And the reason is you can't have thousands and thousands of these youngsters in fire camps. You can't have them shoulder to shoulder on fire lines. Initial attack is going to become very important for the first time in a couple of decades.
0: Mm.
1: And it'll be very interesting to see what happens, say, next year. Will they revert to type, they being the Forest Service? I think they will, unless they're forced to continue uh, to attack these fires in a far more aggressive and timely manner than they currently do.
0: Yeah. So, is this book available um, digitally or just print now, or it it it's it's hard copy only at the moment, uh, Diane.
1: Okay. Uh, my wife Julia is looking into how we do it digitally. Okay. Um, when we can, we will. Um, the book comes with something you probably haven't seen in a book before. It comes with QR codes. Oh, okay that lead to all of our research. Oh, so okay. you can thumb the pages of, of this, you can thumb the pages of this book and you'll see QR codes at the bottom of the page. You can tap that with your cell phone and it will take you to our research.
0: Oh, that's great.
1: Which is voluminous. The research is voluminous. Oh,
0: that, no, that's fabulous.
1: Uh, hundreds and you know, I don't even know how long it would take somebody to wade through all of it. It <laughs> took me over a year just to write the book. So, um, we have a lot, a lot of source material, all of it, all of it available with QR codes. Oh, very nice. Um, um, so we, we do have a, a motivation to, to try to figure out how to make it available digitally. Okay. Um, but we're not quite there yet. Okay. Um, we, we, but we will. Meantime, the hard copies, it, it, the book's getting a lot of applause just because it's it's a beautiful book.
0: Yeah.
1: Okay. I think 240. Page, I think it's 240 pages, something like that, and tons of color photography that you know illustrates what I'm talking about. Um, it's a it's in an eight by ten format. Um, it's real pretty.
0: Well, I just kind of like you get to see a different side of the industry, and I know uh, there's other like young folks out there looking at it. Do you feel optimistic about the industry as a whole for the next generation?
1: Uh, well, if we're going to continue to use wood and paper products, there'll always be opportunity for young people. Uh, I, you know, I I get asked that question periodically by youngsters and and. They are youngsters to me. I'm 76. And I, you know, I just, I tell them to get a good education and it doesn't matter if it's a college education or if it's a vocational education, get a good education, get prepared.
0: So if you did a second book, what sort of slant do you think it might take?
1: Oh my, you know, I, I don't know enough yet to answer your, your question Diane, but we're, we've, we're going to start on Monday posting interviews once a week with people who have read the book and offered suggestions. Oh, nice. And we'll just see where it, he- where it heads. I don't, you know, I really don't know.
0: So that'll, um, that'll be on the website then the interviews or, or the comments. Yes,
1: okay. Yes. But we're, the interviews will go up once a week. Great. A new interview with somebody who's read the book and been thoughtful enough to offer their opinions or advice or suggestions you know whatever and I you know I love it all I you know I don't care if people like it or want to fight about it it really doesn't matter to me so far nobody's wanted to fight (laughs) about it but and I you know and it's hard to fight about it
0: yeah
1: it really is because the, the evidence just tells us that the approach we've taken to this is just about 180 degrees out of phase.
0: We want to thank our sponsors, Pacific Forest Foundation and the Pacific Logging Congress, as well as Timber West Magazine for making this podcast possible. And we want to thank Jim Peterson for taking time out to be part of Talking Timber. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you have any ideas for speakers or topics, please feel free to send them to me. You can reach me at diane at pacificloggingcongress.com. Until next time, take care.